double digits straight up, plus double digits against the spread, plus a stomach full of Thanksgiving turkey makes Justin a happy boy. What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to week six of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2021 NFL regular season and postseason. And like I said right off the top, double digits straight up last week and double digits against the spread, which is a really, really nice feeling considering how the first four weeks of the season went. So let's talk about it a little bit. 10 and 6 straight up, 43 and 37 now on the season. So six games above 500. We clawed our way back up after that poor start to the year. And now we're hitting those double digits straight up. And that is what we like to see. And against the spread, 10 and 6 as well. Still 10 games underwater against the spread and actually 10 games underwater on the totals after going 7 and 9 last week, but I'm taking anything. And look, it's an it's angling in the right direction. Let's see if we can actually keep going that way. Platinum, gold, silver and bronze picks back to 4 and 0 straight up. Only went even money against the spread and even money on the over/unders. Arizona covering minus five and a half, Dallas covering minus seven, and uh, let's see, we had Tampa and Miami going over 48 points, and we had Dallas and the Giants going over 52. So I did actually sweep my bronze pick last week, Dallas straight up, Dallas against the spread and the over, so we'll certainly take a sweep wherever we can get it. In the pick'em pools, not a lot of movement. Still 22nd of 28 in my pool. Still 55 out of 100 in the Half Moons Picks ATS pool. And still 20 of 22 in the Anti and Co pool. Obviously uphill battles across the board. I feel more confident about my ability to move up my pool and the Half Moons pool because of the confidence point factor. It's going to be real tough to continue making up ground in the Anti and Co pool, which is just a straight up pool. But in week five, 95 of 136 possible confidence points in the Bridgewater's Finest pool. That's nearly 70%, just short of 70%, in fact, which is a championship caliber pace over the course of a full season. So let's see if we can repeat that again this week. Only 67 of 136 confidence points in the Half Moons pool, but that's a relatively strong performance given what I've put up so far this year. It's almost 50% and it was pushing me in the right direction, just didn't have a lot of traction against my opponents this week. Dakota's picks coming up with the big 13 and 3 performance in the Bridgewater's Finest Pool, 124 of 136 confidence points, over 91% on the week. Good enough for Dakota's picks to win the week in the Bridgewater's Finest Pool. Turcado not only winning the week in the Half Moons Pool with 108 of 136 confidence points against the spread, but also taking over the overall lead in that pool with 419 of 680 points. It's over 61.5%. It is good enough to lead the way in the Half Moons Pool. Anti and Co., the cat rep in the Pacific Northwest, still out front here with 56 correct 
picks straight up this season, picking 70% straight up this year. The cat is on fire to open the season. We also had four teams in the Ante and Co. pool go 14-2, and two, picking the game straight up last week, which is massive, monumental whenever you can do something like that. So shout out to the four teams that were able to pull off that feat. I, I almost had the Colts last night. If they wouldn't have massively collapsed in the second half of that game, ah, almost had them. Anyway, still went 10-6 and six at 62.5%. It was still a solid week. So we're shouting out Dakota's Picks. Turcado and the four teams that went 14 and two straight up for winning week five. We are also shouting out fourth and ridiculous who took over the overall lead in the Bridgewater's finest straight up pool, 522 out of 680 confidence points. It's almost 77%. They took over the overall lead there. Turcado taking over the overall lead in the half moons pool and the cat repping the Pacific Northwest for remaining the overall leader in anti and co. Taking a look at the Ante and Co. survival pool, I am still alive. My slate is still clean. I did swap my pick over to the New England Patriots last week in survival, and they really made me sweat it out, but they did end up winning that game. So I'm now 5-0, five straight correct picks in the survival pool, 17 of 19 still alive in that pool. Now eight teams that have a strike. Let's take our weekly peek now into Fantasy Corner, which is, of course, brought to you by the Dynasty Trade Calculator. If you look in the description of this episode, you're going to find my affiliate link, my referral link to the Dynasty Trade Calculator, where for as little as $3, you can get access to one of the absolute best resources for Dynasty Keeper and long-term fantasy football that is available to you anywhere. Trade evaluations, dynasty rankings, podcasts, lots of expert opinions. Does not matter what the alignment or makeup of your league is, whether you do the super flex, whether you do the tight end premium, running back points per carry, it does not matter. The dynasty trade calculator has got you covered for the absolute best in hot takes and trade evaluations to make you a better dynasty manager today. Hit my referral link, which again is in the description down below. And for as little as $3, gain access to this tremendously valuable tool. Peeking into Fantasy Corner, I had another strong week in Fantasy 4 and 2 across my six Fantasy Football teams. I also moved uh, down in one best ball pool, but up in another one. So I was fourth and ninth place last week. This week, I'm fifth and eighth. So my lowest team moved up, my highest team moved down. So we're, we're, we're trending towards the middle in those best ball pools. In the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League, picked up the win over Max Maniacs despite my starting quarterback going down to a multi-week injury, which we will talk about when we get into the games. I moved to four and one now in that league. So feeling pretty good after dropping, I believe the opening game, I think I've reeled off four straight wins. In the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League, I did lose to Gavin. It was looking good for a little bit. He had Jonathan Taylor in the Monday Nighter and Jonathan Taylor had a really tremendous game and started I think right away, like the first three, four minutes of the game, he had a long receiving touchdown. I'm like, okay, I don't think this is going to work out too well for me. And it didn't. So Gavin picked up the win. I'm now one and four in that league. Really going to be struggling from this point to try to make one of those six playoff spots. 
In week six, I've got matchups against the SDMT Fightin' Seven. That is Chris Carter, a longtime member of this community, and the Capitol Hill Jackalopes in the Progs League. Those are both projected losses for me right now. And again, in the Professionals Dynasty, I'm dealing with the loss of my starting quarterback, so we'll have to see how I can recover from that. And I'll take the opportunity now, as I always do, to remind you that if you go to the description of the video here on YouTube or the audio file on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts of choice, you can find all of my results from last week, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week six in the NFL. You can find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest Straight Up Pool, the Half Moon's Picks ATS Pool, or the Anti and Co. Straight Up Pool. Remember, if you win a week in any of these pools, get yourself shouted out on this show. You can find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page, and you can find information on my great friends and sponsors at Nerd Tees. Ladies and gentlemen, nerdtees.ca is where you need to go, as if you didn't already know, to get incredible, incredible loose leaf tea blends, dozens and dozens of them, in fact. And with my promo code, BWFINEST, you are going to save yourself 15% at checkout. You're also going to get free shipping on any order in Canada over 100 bucks, which is tremendous value. If you are one of my American listeners, you are going to get a great conversion rate as well on the US dollar. Today's blend is Kiwi-licious, which if you remember, was my blend from last week, I believe, where I had my solid results. So, let's see if lightning will strike twice for me. I'm not in the basement, so my fridge is of course on in the background, but let's see, maybe that'll help me, who knows. In any case, nerdtees.ca, promo code BWFINEST, save your 15%, get your free shipping, find yourself something to love, Find someone you love something to love. Christmas is going to be here before you know it, ladies and gents. And there are a great deal of incredible gift ideas on this website. Fire on over there. Take a look at what we got. You can do all of that and more on nerdtees.ca. So same deal as last week. We're going to try to fire through these games as quickly as possible while still giving you the information that you come to expect from this show. What I will say before we get started... Rule of four, baby. Five and oh so far on the year. The back-to-back -back road game teams kind of took it a little bit on the chin last week where they were, I think, 12 and two, both straight up and against the spread. Now only 13 and six straight up, which means they went one and four and uh, 15 and four against the spread. So they would have gone three and two there against the spread. So certainly not the results that we saw there in the early season. We're going to be something to keep an eye on there as the weeks go by. Favorites hitting 42.5% of the time so far this year. That is up from last week. The over only hitting 46.3% of the time, but that is also up from last week. So favorites and overs may be trending in the right direction. Let's talk about things, and we're going to get on a plane, metaphorically speaking, and head over to jolly old England for the second week in a row. I didn't mention it with the Atlanta game last week, but I will with this one. The Jacksonville Jaguars playing host, quote unquote, to the Miami Dolphins in, I believe, the building that the Tottenham Hotspur play, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. Look, I don't need to tell you how bad these two football teams are. Jacksonville and Miami, they've combined to win one game so far this year. And if my math is correct, they've combined to score 172 points, I think, in 10 football games. 
Dolphins enter this one on the tail end of back-to-back road games, and boy, what a travel schedule for the tail end of that. Uh, Jags, one of the worst ball control teams in the league. In fact, I believe the worst ball control team in the league. I think they're a minus 11 on their turnover differential so far this year. They are one of the least penalized teams in the league. But speaking of being penalized, how about that Urban Meyer video? Kind of a bad week to be uh, mediocre NFL coaches, isn't it? So look, uh, there's not a ton to say about both of these teams or about this game in general. I really am starting to feel like we can give London better football games, but I'm actually going to take the Jags in this game. The Jags have had success in London in the past. I think on quite a few people, even though Miami are the favorites in this game, which to me seems silly. Um, even though they're the favorites, a lot of people are on the Jags in this one. I'm on the Jags in this game as well. I think they've got the more high end, the more impact talent. So I'm going to take the Jags to get their first win of the year here. Jacksonville beats Miami in London. On the line, Miami's laying three and a half points as a quote unquote road favorite. Now, Taking the Jags here is going against the fact that the Jags are only 1-4 and four against the spread this year, but I like them to win, so I'm going to take the points. We'll take the 3.5 on Jacksonville. Total in the game set at 45.5 points. I think this is pretty close to a perfect number, but I'm going to stick under on it because look at the two teams that are playing. So we're going to go under 45.5 points in Jacksonville, Miami. Let's go Jags 24, Dolphins 21. I wouldn't be shocked if this is a game-ending field goal that decides this game. Let's go to Detroit now for a battle of two of the least penalized teams in the NFL. That's the Lions playing host to the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, the Bengals at 3-2 and two on the year, they really impressed me against Green Bay. That was another one that, like, look, yeah, I picked against my team in that game, but I genuinely thought Cincinnati would win. And look at that, the game goes to overtime. Uh, you know, shenanigans aside, the game still goes to overtime. It's anybody's game. They lose they cover against the spread. I was still impressed by the performance for sure. Detroit uh, impressing me or anybody else has been a little more difficult to come by if you're the Lions. 0-5, uh, they're only scoring about 20 points a game. This is not a good football team, whereas I think Cincinnati actually is a good football team. I'm going to take the good football team, even though they're on the road. Let's take the Bengals here on the road in Detroit to beat the Lions. On the line, Cincinnati's laying three points as a road favorite. I like him to win. It's the largest of the relatively small prices to pay, but I'm going to pay that price. I'm going to lay the three points on the Bengals. Total in the game set at 47 and a half. These two teams are only combined three and seven to the over this year, and the team money leaders are all 71% on the under in this one this is actually a change because i originally pegged this game for an over because it seems like a really middling number but i think i'm going to stick under on it and say that the bengals defense winds up being the difference in this game we're going to go under 47 and a half points in detroit cincinnati let's go bengals 27 lions 20. Let's go to Indianapolis now. Colts playing host to the Houston Texans in a division matchup. And boy, these two teams are different. Don't get me wrong. The records are the same. The two teams are definitely different. But I, that was a violent, shocking punt that the Colts had last night. They had that game so in control. At one point in the live betting, 
right before the uh, Lamar Jackson fumble that should have been a scoop and score, but was called back because a very obvious backward pass was called a forward pass because reasons. Right before that happened, you could grab the Colts minus two and a half, and they were up 16 to three at that point, about to be up what we all thought was about to be up 23 to three. And you could grab them live at minus two and a half. And I thought somebody in Vegas just made a million dollars because how could you not? And then lo and behold, that's how you could not because sometimes Colts are going to Colts. So you've got the Colts coming into this game on the short week. They're not one of the best ball control teams in the league anymore because over the last couple of games, they've been sloppier with the ball than we saw in the early part of the season. They are still one of the least penalized teams in the league, and they are going up against a team they not only know very well, but is one of the most penalized teams in the NFL. And if you think that doesn't matter, you're wrong. It almost hurts my soul to take the Colts to win a game after the fourth quarter, well, second half really, but especially the fourth quarter of that game last night. It, it hurts my soul. I'm still gonna because I, I think that the game last week with Houston and New England was some kind of weird voodoo fluke that that game was that close. I really like the Colts are going to, I think the Colts are going to win this game. So I'm going to take them. Uh, on the line is a crazy, crazy spread. The Colts are laying 10 points. That I'm not going to take. Because you have to be a certain degree of team, first of all, to get that line. And for anybody to believe that you're actually going to cover it. The Colts are very much not that caliber of team. So we're going to take the 10 points on Houston because that's way too many. Just in a division game in general, but certainly in this division game. Because who knows... Houston might win this thing outright because the Colts are, of course, the Colts. Total in that game is set at 43 points, and that is such a low number. But I'm going to stick under on it because, boy, these two offenses. Yeah, Indy's offense looked good for like half of that game. And then they came out in the second half and just pooped themselves and forgot how to play football. I'm going to stick under on it, even though this is a bad under because it's a bad number to take an under on. We're going to go under 43 points in Houston, Indianapolis. Colts 24, Texans 16. Let's go to Carolina now. Panthers and Vikings. You've got Minnesota at 2 and 3. you got the Panthers at 3 and 2. And I don't know what either of these teams are. I don't know if the Panthers are the really good team that I think started the season 3-0 and and has now rattled off two straight losses. I don't know if the Vikings are the team that we saw last week when they picked up the win or the, you know, the 1-3 team that we saw in the first four weeks. It's tough to kind of get a handle on these two teams. What I'm going to defer to here is I'm going to defer to the most recent couple of games. Yeah, Carolina's offense didn't look great last week, whereas, you know, Minnesota's offense also really didn't look that great last week, and the defense is relatively comparable. I still have to think Carolina's got the better defense between these two teams, even though Mike Zimmer has kind of turned it around a little bit on the defense. Now they got to kind of worry about the offense in Minnesota. But I'm going to defer to the better defense here and the better defense that's playing at home. Let's take Carolina at home to beat the Vikings. But again, this is a dicey game for me to say the least. And see, not a lot of other people that do this would admit that. 
Not a lot of other people would sit here and say, look, this game is really dicey for me. This is how I'm going on it, but yeah. A lot of other people would be like, nah, 50 unit max bomb on Carolina Moneyline because they're trying to sell you something. On the line, Carolina is only laying a point and a half against the spread. I like them to win. It's a small price to pay. I'm going to lay the point and a half on the Panthers. Total in the game set at 46, which is a middling 40, but the two teams have only hit three of 10 overs so far this year. So let's stick with Carolina's defense and let's grab the under on 46 points in Minnesota, Carolina. Let's go Panthers 24, Vikings 17. Ravens Chargers is our next stop this game taking place in Baltimore a battle of two four and one football teams that have gotten there in very different methods um, the Chargers have been relatively offensively dominant certainly compared to what their defense is allowing the Ravens have had to be a little more cardiac about things. Couple of, you know, an overtime win here, uh, an NFL record game winning field goal here. Not all four and one teams are created equally. Uh, Baltimore is going to come into this thing, of course, uh, with the detriment of the short week having played last night. They are one of the least penalized teams in the league and they're taking on one of the most penalized teams in the LA Chargers. Chargers had to be involved in a game where there were 40 points scored in the fourth quarter, had to win a massive shootout 47 to 42, but the Chargers have proven that they're able to win a variety of different games. They're able to win those shootouts, they're able to win strong defensive performances, they're able to win tight football games. They've shown, I think, more diversity in the type of game that they're capable of winning than the Ravens have, and that's not nothing against the Ravens. The Ravens have been cardiac all year long. Look, four straight wins for them. What, 36-35, 19-17, 23-7, not really cardiac, but then 31-25 in overtime. So Baltimore has shown an ability to win those cardiac games. Not every game is going to be a cardiac game. And I just think the Chargers have shown more diversity in the types of games that they're capable of winning. I'm going to go with the Chargers in this one. I, this is a very close game. This is genuinely a really close matchup for me. I'm going to take the Chargers, even though, again, it's most penalized versus least penalized or pretty close to it. Let's take the Chargers on the road in Baltimore to beat the Ravens. On the line, Baltimore's laying three points as a home favorite. I'm going to take the three points on the Chargers. I like them to win outright. Chargers are also 4-1 and one against the spread this year, so there has been a lot of money to be made betting on the Chargers ATS. Let's take the three points. Total in the game set at 50.5 points. I think this is a fairly confident over here. I think both of these teams move the ball effectively the way Baltimore moves the ball is the way Los Angeles struggles to stop the movement of the ball and vice versa so I, I think this game goes over let's go over the 50 and a half point total in LA Baltimore we're going to go Chargers 31 Ravens 30 what I tell you close game Let's go to Cleveland now. One of the marquee matchups of week six, the Browns playing host to the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona still the only undefeated team in the NFL at 5-0. They're doing it on the offensive side. They're doing it on the defensive side. Tremendously well put together football team. For Cleveland, they've got some injuries that they're kind of, they're not significant injuries individually, but when you put them in tandem with each other, Cleveland might be having a bit of an issue, and a lot of it's in the secondary. 
We're talking about Greedy Williams is dealing with stuff. Denzel Ward is dealing with stuff. Jeremiah Owuzu-Koromoa is dealing with stuff. He had a throat laceration, kind of like Joe Burrow. I imagine all three of them will play, or two of the three of them will play, but they're not going to be 100%. And I don't think you can come into a game against the Arizona Cardinals, who are 5-0, and who have shown ability in every facet of the football game, including protecting the football their turnover ratio one of the better in the nfl i don't think you can come into this game half arsed and expect to win it and not to mention whatever's going on with baker mayfield trying to throw the football i think cleveland will try to pound the ball in this game i don't think it's going to be enough to win i'm going to take the cardinals on the road in cleveland to beat the browns and shockingly the browns are the favorites in this game Cleveland sit right now as two and a half point favorites against the spread. Arizona, like the Chargers, four and one ATS this year. I like them to win. I'm going to take those two and a half points on the cards. Total in the game set at 50 and a half points. I think this is another one that probably goes over about by a touchdown, I would think. These are two pretty darn good offenses. So let's take uh, over on the 50 and a half points in Arizona, Cleveland. Let's go cards 30, Browns. 27. But make no mistake about it, folks, and I want to be very clear in what I'm saying here. If you play this game 10 times, I think it's like 6-4. Cleveland is more than capable of winning this football game. I just think the circumstances of it are there's a couple too many things going against Cleveland, and that's all that it is. Off to Denver now. Broncos playing host to the Las Vegas Raiders. So here we go with, uh, remember we were talking about coaching. The Raiders' former head coach, John Gruden, uh, resigned last night, and that was in light of some resurfaced emails that dated back to 2011, in which he's accused of frequently actually using racist, homophobic, and misogynistic language. And this is all I'm going to say about this. If you agree, fantastic. If you don't, I don't really need you to. So he hasn't denied that they happened. So I'm pretty confident that the emails are accurate. And that what he said is what he said. Or what they've accused him of saying is what he has said. People are saying, well, oh my, well, look at, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill is still in the league. And Kareem Hunt is still in the league. Cancel culture and all oh, PC culture and all this. First of all, anybody that cries PC culture, I would say there's about a 95% chance that the thing that's happening to somebody that they're crying about is something that probably could happen to that person as well. It just drips of projection. But in any case, even if that's not the case, John Gruden, as a head coach of an NFL football team, is one of the faces of that franchise. Correct? I think everyone can agree with that. And whether you like it or not, there is a morality check that you have to pass in order to be not only the leader of a football team, but one of the public faces of that franchise, of that business. Because you are being held up as an example of a good person, as an example of how to act, even just to your own players. And I'm not saying John Gruden's a bad person. I'm not saying John Gruden's a racist. I'm not saying he's homophobic. I'm not saying he's sexist or a misogynist. What I am saying is that he thought that language was okay. No matter what the context was, whether it was in public, whether it was in private emails, whatever it was, he thought the language was okay. 
even if he doesn't think it's okay now. He still thought it was okay then. And that is a failure of that morality check. He knew in 2011 that that language was not okay. He used it anyway. He has the NFL's only openly gay player on his roster. Sorry. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know what people want. I, some people just want it to be Leave it to Beaverland back in the 50s. And I understand that that's not everybody. But some people are still just mad that it's not Leave it to Beaverland anymore. Sorry, it's not. And this is a morality check that people have to pass. And John Gruden failed the morality check. If you agree, fantastic. If you don't agree, c'est la vie. In saying all that, Denver's going to wipe the floor with the Raiders this week. Um, I, I don't think Denver is as bad a football team as they have looked in parts in the last couple of uh, couple of games. They've lost two games in a row. They're down to three and two. I don't necessarily think that the Broncos are the three and O juggernaut that they looked like in the first three weeks of the season, because we all know they kind of played cupcake competition, but I don't think they're as bad as they've looked in parts in the last two games. If Teddy Bridgewater gets healthy, if the Cortland Sutton thing is not an ongoing issue, they're getting Jerry Judy back fairly soon, I think. I still think this is a good football team playing in their own building against a team that has problems in the front office, has problems on the football field, whose offense has dried up in the last couple of weeks. One of the most penalized teams in the league. I'm taking the Broncos at home. On the line, Denver laying three and a half points as a home favorite. I think this is a two-possession game, so I'm okay laying the three and a half points. Total in the game set at 44 and a half points. The two teams are only combined three and seven to the over so far this year. So I'm going to be on the under in this one, under 44 and a half points in Vegas, Denver. Let's go Broncos 23, Raiders 9. Let's go to New England now. Patriots are going to play host to the Dallas Cowboys. And boy, is Dallas ever still on fire. Look, the Patriots held on to get that win last week. I think three points. I think it was 25-22. They should have won that game much more comfortably than they did. Dallas, meanwhile, 4-1, and one, reeling off four straight wins after losing their season opener. Dallas is on fire offensively. The defense looks better than I gave the defense credit for. I'll say that up front. Look, the offense is great. The defense only giving up 22 points a game over the last four. I mean, the defense is playing better than I would have ever given them credit for. They're one of the best ball control teams in the NFL. They are one of the most penalized. So the penalties, that's what Dallas has to clean up. I don't think they're true Super Bowl contenders until they clean up that penalty issue. But once they do... They're legit Super Bowl contenders as far as I'm concerned. New England on the other side, one of the worst ball control teams in the league, which is atypical of a Bill Belichick team. And they're dealing with the first significant injury that we have to talk about this week. And that's in the running back room. That is to Damian Harris. He has a chest injury, a rib injury. His status is uncertain. They do have Ramondre Stevenson, who they just drafted this past draft, I believe, third or fourth round I can't remember but they've got him in the backfield and he has shown some electricity when he's been given opportunity I just don't think you can play a team like Dallas and have a downgrade trying to run the football and have a shot at winning the game so I don't think that's going to happen we're definitely on the Cowboys here let's take Dallas in New England to beat the Patriots on the line Dallas is laying four points as a road favorite a lot of road favorites this week 
I like them to win in a two-possession game, and Dallas is the only undefeated against the spread team in the NFL so far. They are 5-0 and zero against the spread, so we are going to lay the four points on the Cowboys. Total in the game set at 49.5 points. I think this is relatively close, like within a touchdown, but I don't think it gets there. So we're going to stick under 49.5 points in Dallas, New England. We all know the Patriots can play some defense. Let's go Dallas 27, New England 17. Let's go to Pittsburgh now where, hey, a desperate Pittsburgh Steelers team remembered how to play football last week. They got back to the winning ways. That sets them two and three on the season. Seattle, meanwhile, they're playing host, again, playing host to the Seahawks. Seattle sitting at two and three as well. They were losers last week in more ways than one. They lost on the football field. They definitely lost in the locker room. Russell Wilson, that probably the worst injury that you can potentially think of in that Seattle locker room would be Russell Wilson. And that's exactly what happened. Injuring his finger. I think he dislocated it and then he's got a tendon. I think that he has to have surgery to have fixed. So he's going to miss a minimum of four weeks, at least according to everybody except Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson per rap sheet says that he's targeting a week 10 return. I think that is crazy. I think that's just, that's just too soon. Because you got a bye week in there as well. I just don't think that's quite going to happen. I would say maybe week 11, week 12. This is Geno Smith's team moving forward, which is an unquestionable downgrade. Seattle does have the benefit of the long week heading into this one. They also have the benefit of being one of the least penalized teams in the NFL. The Steelers are also dealing with their own significant injury, and it is a season-long one. Juju Smith-Schuster, who injured his shoulder in the game last week, he is done. He's had surgery. He's out for the year. Uh, big question marks about his future in this league after that happens, and that is a downgrade for the Steelers' offense. The Steelers' offense finally looked good, but can they maintain that? I'm more liable to believe that last week was a blip on the radar for the Steelers as opposed to a, a burgeoning trend. I don't think this is a 27-point-a-game team. I can see the defense being a 20 points or less defense, but they really haven't shown that so far this season. I'm actually going to take Seattle in this game, and this is an upset for sure. I haven't seen a ton from Seattle's defense that really makes me confident in them and how could I possibly pick the team that just lost Russell Wilson well my dynasty team just lost Russell Wilson this is what I was talking about earlier he's my dynasty quarterback I'm going to be without him for quite some time I did pick up Geno Smith I do have Daniel Jones as well so I think I'm going to be okay assuming Daniel Jones's brains are okay this is full-on a sentimental pick I I'm less picking with Seattle than I am picking against Pittsburgh I just don't think Pittsburgh is that team. They can feel free to prove me wrong. They can prove me wrong in this game, in fact. And if they do, then I'll say, okay, cool. I was wrong. Moving on. No worries. You proved me wrong. Congratulations. This is a pick against the Steelers. I'm taking the Seahawks on the road to upset Pittsburgh. And that is an upset to the tune of four and a half points against the spread. 
Pittsburgh laying four and a half as a home favorite. I'm on the road dog here. I'm going to take the four and a half points with Seattle. That feels like a decent hedge one way or the other. And part of this as well with Seattle, why I'm not overly terrified for Seattle, I would be shocked if Geno Smith is still the quarterback in a couple of weeks. I think uh, Big Nick Foles is probably heading to Seattle, if I had to guess. My source on that is nothing. Total in this game is set at 42.5 points. Now, the two teams are only combined 2 of 10 overs this year, but I'm not sweating the under on 42 and a half. I'm just not doing it. So this is a play on the number for sure. Over 42 and a half points in Seattle, Pittsburgh. Let's go Seahawks 27, Steelers 24. And if you're still listening after that, the last game we're going to look at before we get to the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze is the Tennessee Titans at home taking on the Buffalo Bills. The Bills with a statement dominant performance against the Kansas City Chiefs. What a win last week. 38-20, to I believe it was. Bills on the tail end of back-to-back roadies having played in Arrowhead last week and now playing in Tennessee. Buffalo, the single best ball control team, I believe, in the NFL so far in terms of the turnover differential. If they're not number one, they're right there at number two. Tennessee struggled with controlling the ball this year. I believe they're in the negative. They're definitely in the negative in terms of controlling the football. They're also dealing with an injury on the offensive line. And I talked about him last week, Roger Saffold. He played in the game last week, had to leave the game last week. Now dealing with a shoulder injury. His status is uncertain. I like Buffalo's pass rush. I like Buffalo's ability to generate pressure with their front seven. So, Boy, if you don't have one of your starting tackles, I think it's going to be a tougher game than people expect. I think a lot of people are looking at this as an upset play. I'm I'm not feeling that. I'm just not feeling that from the Titans. If it were to happen, I think it would happen in their own building and it would be kind of a game like this. So I understand why people are grabbing it. I think this is like a three possession game for the Bills. I think the Bills are probably the best team in football. There's been no money to be made this year whatsoever picking against the Buffalo Bills, so I'm going to pick with the Buffalo Bills. Let's take the Bills on the road in Tennessee to beat the Titans. On the line, Buffalo's laying five and a half points. I understand if you want to hedge this. I totally get it. The Bills are four and one against the spread, and I think this is like a three-possession game, so I'm perfectly fine laying the five and a half points. Total in the game set at 54. This is where I think I'm going to differ from a lot of people. I think most people are going to go over on this because they look at, oh my God, Derrick Henry. Oh my God, Buffalo's offense. I think this stays under, not by a ton. Like I think it's within like a possession, but I think this game stays under the 54 points. That's the way we're going to go in Buffalo, Tennessee. We're going to go Bills 37, Titans 13. That Tennessee defense, not impressing me. I grant you that Tennessee's defense is playing better than it normally does, and their offense is great. Buffalo is just a different animal. All right, folks, here we go. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week six in the NFL. Start, as always, with the bronze pick, where I am perfect, not only straight up, but perfect against the spread. Five and O in each column, and three and two on the totals. So this is definitely the pick that is paying off the most in these top picks so far. And my bronze pick this week is the Chicago Bears at home, playing host to division rival Green Bay. 
Now, Green Bay is on the tail end of back-to-back road games. They're one of the least penalized teams in the NFL, which is, of course, a tremendous advantage for them. Division matchup, two teams that know each other very, very well. This, of course, a battle for supremacy in the NFC North because the Packers sit at 4-1, and one, the Bears sit at 3-2, and two, and I believe if the Bears win this game, I believe they take over first place. Packers have won four straight games. Bears have won two straight games. This is not an easy football game by any means, but it's Aaron Rodgers in the NFC North. So regardless of where the game is, I think I got to go with Aaron Rodgers in the NFC North. The Packers showed me grit in that game last week against the Cincinnati Bengals, and I'm going to take nothing away from the Chicago Bears because I think they are playing arguably their best football of the season, certainly on the defensive side of the ball. The offense looks like it's coming around a little bit. This is a good football team. I just don't think this football team is good enough to beat Green Bay. So we are going to grab my Packers on the road in Chicago to beat the Bears. On the line, Packers are laying four and a half points as a road favorite. I'm going to be laying this as well. The Packers are also four and one against the spread, so they got a better against the spread record than the Bears do. I just I'm going to lay the points. I think this is tight, but I'm going to lay the four and a half on Green Bay. Total in the game set at 45 points. I feel pretty confident about this one. The two teams are only combined to hit three of 10 overs so far this year. I'm going to be sticking under on this number, under 45 in Green Bay, Chicago. Packers straight up. We're going to lay the four and a half points on the Packers in Chicago in a game that stays under 45 points. That is the bronze pick. We're going to go Packers 24, Bears 16. My silver pick, Ryan Perfect, straight up at 5-0, oh, only 2-3, and three, both against the spread and on the total, so let's make that even money after this week, sees the Philadelphia Eagles playing host to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Now, these are two of the least disciplined teams in the NFL. I think they might even be number one and number two in terms of penalties taken, so that, I think, will, you know, stall offensive movement on both sides, but... One team here is very clearly better than the other one, and that's the Tampa Bay Bucks. I don't dislike the Eagles, and they did certainly win last week, and I'm never going to take a win away from somebody. But, I, you know, to paraphrase a number of things, the Bucks are the Bucks. I mean, look, th- this is very clearly a matchup of a really good team against a team that might be good in certain scenarios, but we're on Tampa Bay here pretty heavily. Let's take Tampa in Philly to beat the Eagles. On the line, the Bucks are laying seven points. And man, I'm laying a number of points here on road favorites, which I understand is, uh, what do the kids call it, problematic. I'm gonna lay those points because I, the possibility exists here that Tampa blows them out because the possibility exists that Tampa could blow anybody out. Ah, boy, it's tough, but I'm gonna lay the seven points on the Bucks. Total in the game set at 52. I feel fairly confident about this staying under. Again, the penalties, they're a problem for both teams and they stall drives no matter how you slice it. Offensive penalties especially, they stall drives. So I just think this thing stays under the point total. Let's go under 52 points in Tampa Bay, Philadelphia. We're going to take the Bucks straight up. We're laying the seven points on Tampa Bay in Philly in a game that stays under 52 points. That is the silver pick. Let's go Bucks 28, Eagles 20. 
My gold pick, where I'm four and one straight up, but like the previous pick, two and three, both against the spread and on the total, sees the Washington football team playing host to the Kansas City Chiefs, who there can't be a more angry team in the NFL than the Chiefs. I would love to have seen if some sports book put up a bet on if at any point in this season after like the first two weeks, will the Kansas City Chiefs be the worst team in the AFC West, yes or no? I would have loved to have seen what the odds would be, like in the standings, what the odds would be on that as a prop bet. Because it would have been massive and somebody would have made Elon Musk times Jeff Bezos money betting that. But it is reality. The Chiefs are 2-3 and three and sit at the bottom of the AFC West. Everybody else is 3-2 and two or better. And that's crazy. It's crazy that the Chiefs have already lost three games. I think most people would have looked at this like, well, three games is probably what the Chiefs will lose all season. But that defense stinks. Their defense is bad. Any team with a defense, with a good defense, can beat the Chiefs. Because the Chiefs want track meets. And teams with good defenses are not going to play into track meet mentality. And if they don't, Kansas City doesn't really have the medal to win those types of games. That's when you see games like last week against Buffalo. However, the team they're playing this week, the Washington football team, will not put them in that position. First of all, Chiefs, one of the least penalized teams in the league. Both of these teams struggle controlling the football, but then especially with Washington, they've got an injury on their offensive line, which I think is going to loom large in this game. And it's rookie Samuel Cosme, off to a great start of his NFL career, probably one of the best offensive linemen to come out of that draft. He's got a knee injury. His status is uncertain in this game, but even if he's limited, I think Kansas City will get the kind of defensive pressure that they haven't really been able to get to this point so far this year. And Washington's defense is pretty well as bad as Kansas City's is. So if you're not playing a team that's going to force you into that real trench battle defensively, which Washington definitely is not going to, Kansas City will win a track meet against Washington. So I think that's what's going to happen. We're definitely on Kansas City here very strongly, obviously, in Washington to beat the football team. On the line, Kansas City's laying six and a half points as a road favorite. I fully understand anybody that takes the points here with Washington. These two teams are combined two and eight against the spread this year. Neither one of these teams are hitting. Somebody has to in this game because you can't push it because it's a half point number. And I totally get not trusting Kansas City enough to cover this number. I think it's a two possession game for the Chiefs. So I am going to lay the six and a half points. It's not a very strong, confident play, but I do think the Chiefs cover the number. On the line, my most confident total of the week, which is just setting it up to be wrong in the end, but whatever, is over 55 and a half points in this game. First of all, these two teams have only hit two of 10 unders this year. The Chiefs have had big totals all season long. They're still four and one just themselves to the over because their offense is really good, but the defense sucks out loud. We're going over in this one for sure. Over the 55 and a half points in Kansas City, Washington. Chiefs straight up, we're laying the six and a half points on Kansas City in Washington in a game that goes over 55 and a half points. That is my gold pick. Let's go Chiefs 37, 
Football Team 28. And the last game we're going to look at is the Platinum Pick, my 4-1 straight-up Platinum Pick that is also only 2-3 against the spread and over-under. We're looking to even up all these numbers this week sees the New York Giants at home playing host to the LA Rams, and what an awful time to have to play the Rams. How do the Rams have the advantage in this game? Let me count the ways. Um, long week, uh, one of the least penalized teams in football, and the Giants won't have Saquon probably. <clears throat> so I'm going to clear my throat here and talk about the Giants' significant injuries. Saquon Barkley, Low ankle sprain, likely low ankle. He's looking week to week. Daniel Jones suffered a concussion last week. He's in concussion protocol. His status is uncertain for this game. Kenny Galladay injuring his knee last week. His status for this game is uncertain. So the Giants basically are going to roll out their practice squad against Matt Stafford and the LA Rams. So this is going to be probably disgusting, I would say, if I had to guess. What this game is going to eventually look like, I think it's going to be nasty. Obviously, we're on the Rams here. They are on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games, but these the Rams will should easily win this game. So we're going to take the Rams straight up, and we're going to lay the 10.5 points on the Rams against the spread on the road in New York. I have no problem laying that number. Total in the game set at 47.5. I got to go over on this one. The two teams have hit 7 of 10 overs so far this year. So I'm going to go over 47.5 points in LA, New York. Rams straight up. We're going to hammer the Rams minus the 10.5 against the spread in a game that goes over 47.5 points. That is the platinum pick. Final score, Rams 41, Giants 21. Probably a touchdown or two in garbage time. There you have them, folks. The picks are in for week six in the NFL, and it is time now for the patented comment of the week. The comment of the week from the week five show goes to my good friend, longtime member of this community, Matt, the NFL fanatic. Make sure you check out his show as well at Matt, the NFL fanatic. His comment says, always enjoy the show, Justin. Disagree with Green Bay, the Chargers, Kansas City, and Baltimore. Baltimore will make history on Monday Night Football, breaking the Steelers' 43 consecutive game streak of 100-plus rushing yards. Herbert outguns a one-armed Baker, and Jalen Smith makes an immediate impact for the pack. So a lot of what Matt said there is, uh, is exactly what happened. So I have to give Matt credit whenever he puts a couple things out there and pretty well nails it. So Matt, yours is the comment of the week from the week five episode. Well done, my friend. Best of luck the rest of the way. Once again, make sure you check out Matt's show. Week six is now in the books, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening and watching. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees. The bye weeks are upon us, which means the season is really underway now. Now it's bear down time. Now it's clutch time. Let's see who's got it and who doesn't. Thank you very much for listening and watching. I hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you again in lucky week number six. Seven.